0: This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to spend your crypto in Latin America. Purchase gift cards or mobile refills from more than 3,500 brands in 186 countries instantly, safely, and privately. Visit bitrefill.com for more information. Welcome back to the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. Today, we have a highly anticipated episode that we have dubbed the Brazil Roundtable. We have a group of highly esteemed, illustrious Brazil semi-experts who are here to join us. It's an audio-only podcast, so you'll have to track their voices somehow. It'll be a little bit of a It'll be interesting for the listener, but we have here with us one Brazilian to help even it out and a whole bunch of gringos. Our one Brazilian is Francisco Litvai, previous podcast guest. Francisco, say
1: hello. Hey, guys. uh, My name is Francisco Litvai. I basically work with helping Brazilians move abroad, pay less taxes, and get second passports. So basically the... Uh, the opposite way, mostly like uh, shipping Brazilians out, but also shipping uh, foreigners in. So we, we do it both ways.
0: Yes, his brand is called SETI, S E T T E E. It's kind of like my Latin life, but in Portuguese in a way. Um, so we also have JURS, AKA The Way of JURS, on Twitter. Jurz, you want to say hi?
2: Hi, happy to be here. Uh, I think this will be a good time for everybody to get some good information about Brazil.
0: Yes, Jers kind of represents the very highly mobile digital nomad that spends his time on the 50th story of towers eating steaks and that's Jers' version of Brazil.
2: Um, Something something like that, yes.
0: (laughs) We have Patrick Flood, the founder of LatAm Stocks, covering the stock market in Brazil, lives full time in Sao Paulo, has been living in Brazil. He's American and has been living in Sao Paulo for a decade now, I believe.
3: Yeah. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, so I studied abroad. I did a year of my undergrad in Sao Paulo, and then I kind of never left. So I've been uh, living and working in Brazil ever since.
0: Awesome. We also have Aaron, founder of Brazil Crypto Report. It's the leading news publication for crypto news in English about Brazil.
4: Aaron, what's up? Hey gang. Uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, so I'm, uh, I've am i been living in Brazil for about a year now uh, in Brasilia. I met my wife in Washington, D.C. My wife's Brazilian, but we met in Washington, D.C. And now we live in Brasilia because apparently we have a fondness for uh, centrally planned government cities, I guess. Um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah. Artificial lakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Artificial <laughs> lakes, indeed. So yeah, excited for this conversation. Awesome. Uh, we also have Stakes
0: is High, kind of zooming in or I don't know, what do you call it, in the background because he's at the gym, but he's going to pop in and out. Stakes, what's up? I left,
5: the, I left the gym. I'm at the club now. They got uh, top, pop, top pop hits playing.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Stakes, previous podcast guest as well. Everyone here, everyone joining. Um was a previous podcast guest. Some of the episodes are unreleased at the time of this recording, but don't worry, everyone's episode will be will be released soon enough. Um, Steven Story is here as well, one of the Brazil OGs. Steven, are you all set up? Yeah, can y'all hear me? We can hear you. Awesome, good to be here. How y'all doing? Doing good. Bra- Steven joined a little bit late in uh, Bahia fashion. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Steven's story, one of the most classic episodes of the My Latin Life podcast over a year ago, I think now. Yeah. And uh, we've been meaning to do a round two. And then that was kind of the idea for making a bigger roundtable discussion about Brazil. We're always just trying to do like new things with the podcast a little bit. So this is definitely mm-hmm. something new. We have six illustrious guests uh, to here to talk about Brazil. Um and I think the only rule for this podcast is we're not going to talk about dating, okay? Because if we do, it's just going to devolve into destruction very quickly, right? Yeah. Um, for the married guys, I think that is a cool angle, to talk, you know. But uh, definitely, we're not going to talk about dating. <laughs> Fair um, point. But we'll talk about, you know, cultural assimilation, living in Brazil, um, the digital nomad side, the long-term expat side, and all the considerations that come along with that. Cool? Okay. Awesome. Okay. I, and I think everyone's pretty much in different cities. And I think everyone's in Brazil, except maybe San Francisco. Uh, except Francisco. Where were you at? Yeah, I'm in Buenos
1: Aires, but originally from Blumenau, South Brazil. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, we got Steven in Bahia, we got Jers in Floripa, Patrick in SP, and Aaron in Brasilia, and then Stakes is probably undisclosed location. Village by the Sea. (laughs) Village by the Sea, (laughs) exactly, exactly. So how do we kick things off? You the host, man, it's up to you. Well, I want to hear from Stephen because it has been a while, and Stephen always brings okay. the good vibes.
6: Okay. So uh, we're talking about everything but dating, right? So um, it is summer. Uh, summer is in full swing here in Bahia. Uh, I don't know how long everybody has. I know Vance just said how long everybody's been here, but I have been here in Salvador five years in January. two uh, thousand twenty-four. January 2024 will be five years for me. And I'm, I'm getting a bit bored to be honest with y'all, uh, I picked this city as a place. I was on vacation. I was on vacation to Salvador, and I kind of stayed here. I never went to Rio. I never went to Sao Paulo until two or three years into being here in Brazil. And like, I'm a bit bored now of this whole beach life thing. And I'm like, do I go to Sao Paulo? Do I go to Rio? Uh, or do I start making my way to Europe or back to the States uh, as opposed to staying here in Bahia? So I don't know if y'all have already went through that or not in y'all's respective cities?
3: I'll, I'll say, like, in Sao Paulo, you meet a lot of people from, like, everywhere in Brazil. It's kind of like the New York City. So a lot of, like, the people in the small towns or the people that are bored with, like, the slower life, they come to Sao Paulo, like, exactly looking for what you just said, something a little more exciting. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's definitely the center of everything in Brazil. It's, like, half of the GDP. So, it, you know, everything that's going on business-wise and, and, you know, culturally, all the concerts, everything passes through Sao Paulo. So Mm -hmm. it's a cool spot. Like it's a love hate city. I don't know. I'm sure you've been there. You visited. Yep. Like It's love hate. Like as long as you get out every once in a while, don't just stay there for, you know, 12 months straight, see some nature, but there's a lot to do. I like it for sure. Mm How long have you been there? Uh, I've been based there for over 10 years. Like that's been home base, but I travel a lot too. Like after five or six months, if I haven't gotten out of Sao Paulo, I start to go crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a cool spot to be based out of, but I, uh, it's not twelve months a year. I wouldn't want to be in Sao Paulo.
5: I think one that.
4: of the
3: I, sorry. I think
5: one of the bigger things that Stephen's mm-hmm. uh, talking about is: do people go abroad and live there forever? Or do they get tired? Is the five mark the five year mark like uh, a time that most people hit? And I can say I was in Florida for five years, and I got tired of it too, especially on the beach. I'll tell you right now. I lived on the beach for five years. And I don't really care for the beach. It's not that great. So I think at around five, six years, people, they dig in. And you know, your first year, you're like, I'm going to be here forever. This is amazing. And then it wears off the novelty. Or you're like, maybe there's a little bit more commerce or nightlife or a little bit mo- more movement somewhere else, wherever that is.
6: Mm. Mm. That's, exactly what I'm, that's exactly what I mean, This That's exactly what I mean. I'm glad you hit on that, that
1: point
2: one point i'll make uh... I think there
1: there is something about florianopolis specifically where you know like the size of it in low season it just yeah it kind of gets boring right it's not a place that you usually go to in low season because it's going to be cold you're not going to be going to the beach uh the city's not going to be full most of the events are in in high season like all the concerts and things going on in general whereas i think like rio Mm -hmm. Paulo have the sufficient scale that you're, you're never going to get bored in Rio, like in terms of, oh, there's nothing to do. I've done everything already. Like, it's very hard to, to reach that level in Rio. Whereas in Floripa, you know, unless you want to hike every single hike that you can possibly find in the, in the island, you'll probably get bored, especially in the winter months.
2: I was going to add one thing that I found. Uh, Brazil works great for me spending six months a year. So you might also mm-hmm. be able to find a balance combining Brazil, combining the, the lifestyle you have here, the friends you have here with Europe or another place. Um, I feel Brazil gets very intense after about five, six months for me anyways. So I, I like <laughs> the balance of combining it with uh, the tranquility, so to speak, of Europe.
6: Okay. That's, how, that's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling that intensity, you know? Uh, but for me, like I'm from Alabama, so Alabama and Bahia are very similar in pacing as far as like lifestyle and culture. Uh, so it's very similar, but I feel how I feel when I'm in Alabama too long. I'm like, all right, let's go. Come on. Like something needs to happen, you know? And, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in a loop here in Salvador was like carnival, rainy season, fojo, San Joel, and then, you know, spring starts and then, Summer party start up again. And it's, uh yeah, I, I think I, I got to, I think Jersey's right. I think I need to start splitting my time up a bit. Up a bit.
1: Can we talk a bit mm-hmm. about São João? Because everyone from abroad always talks about Carnival and wants to go to Brazilian Carnival. But almost no one yeah. knows about São João when they're first coming to Brazil. And it's two, the best Brazilian party there is. That's what,
6: you know, again, like being from the South, and coming to Bahia, like, there's so many similarities for me that, like, I don't, does everybody know what São Juan is? Everybody, everybody on the call, we all know what San João is? Okay. Do you want to so, explain
0: it for the audience?
6: Yeah, so for those of y'all who don't know what San João is, uh, it's funny because uh, in Calgary, Canada, they have something like Stampede uh, for the Canadians that's listen to this. Uh, but it's essentially where everybody wears flannel. They're dancing to a Brazilian version of country music with, like, it's got an accordion and like a triangle and a band behind it. It's actually really fun. Uh, everybody goes out to the countryside, the interior, and they all go out to these small towns and these huge concerts in these small towns and everybody drinks this liquor and like you do all these partner dances with these, you know, with women and stuff. It's it's, it's nice. Um, I've done it a couple times already, you know, but again, like if you already done it a bunch of times, it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. You know but it's without tourists that's the other thing there's no gringos there it's all brazilian so it's a completely different vibe you know Uh, i think it's a little more family oriented
4: to me that's like the best Mm -hmm. part of so much of brazil of just living in brazil at least like where i am and i'm in in the center center regions where there's it's like very rare to encounter a gringo Uh, i mean sometimes you have like embassy people here or whatever but like i like i just get such a thrill out of going to these things and like never encountering gringos like, I'm just like the only, <laughs> like, the only like awkward gringo guy there. Like, you know, I have to, like, you know, it forces you to, like, learn the language, interact with people. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I wear it as kind of like a badge of honor. Like, I'm going to go where, like, no gringo has gone before, you know, in the center it also, of Brazil.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it also, kind of weirdly makes you, like, the center of attention at those things, too. Cause, like, you're the gringo, and then I'm like, this is my gringo. And, I'll, like, Brazilians are super friendly and outgoing, and they're just going to come and try and talk to you and ask you questions. They're nice, but then you're like, all right, I'll, shit. Like, I mean, I'm talking. Doing these conversations over and over again. Like, you can't really just go to a party and just be low key because someone's going to be like, that's the gringo.
4: Yeah. You you, you, you can't stand out like a sore thumb, like irrespective, right?
6: (laughs) Yeah. Usually, like here in Bahia, like I blend in, but it does get to your point, it does get repetitive. Like, oh, well, you look like a Bayano, but you're not. Same conversation
3: over and over again. It's like, where are you from? I just tell people like I grew up outside of New York. New York. It's like, Oh, why do you want to live here? I like, I like Brazil. I like, Oh, okay. Why do you like Brazil? It's like 500 times. I've done that conversation. Yeah.
6: yeah. Yeah. It gets all quick. Yeah. It gets all really quick, you know, especially like being here by year where people don't have a lot of opportunity on the job side of things. It's uh like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I work at, I work at home. Oh, okay. Internet. Yeah. Work on internet. <laughs> yeah. You know? A homey office. Yeah, a home office. Yeah, that's what I do, and I don't even get to go into my spiel or whatever. But it's you know, we all have done it. If you're a gringo, you've done it. States After Colorado, a certain man. point,
5: you have to just start making up stories. So I would make up because you have the same conversation. Why are you in Brazil? We want to go there. It's our dream. Oh, you're from California. Oh, blah, 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 blah. So boring. So what you say is, yeah, I'm i I'm a classic car restorer, and your governor. Brought me here to restore his private fleet of cars, and then the woman will be like, Oh, I hate him, he's 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 Bolsonaro, this and that. And then now you have a perfect first date, (laughs) (laughs)
6: Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow,
1: if you can't be James Bond, just say you're (laughs) just say you're all the professions out there, yeah. That's a good, yeah. I've had like, like I'm a
4: firefighter. I've had the same conversation a hundred times with you know thousands of times with with uber drivers right they're like they're like oh like where are you from i was like like oh how could you tell i'm not from here right and then they inevitably start asking it's yeah it's the same exact conversation over and over again but i think i'm gonna start making it yeah i'm gonna say i'm james bond like i'm i'm a spy <laughs> for the mi6 or something and i'm here to spy on lula or whatever something i don't know <laughs> Stephen, oh.
0: can I double down on this getting bored of being an expat mm-hmm. after five years or bored of the city? Because I think that's an extremely fascinating topic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's because of the city that you're in? Or do you think it's where you're in maybe in your career? Or like what are the, the factors at play there?
6: Um, so it's a bunch of things, man. I think one is it's socioeconomics, for one. Uh, salvador compared to sao paulo or rio uh if you're making anything over three or four thousand dollars you essentially uh, three or four thousand dollars a month you're essentially in the same you got this you're in the same economic stratosphere as everybody else above three thousand or four thousand dollars us per month and so it's limited things you can do in this city like if you're making that kind of money if you're, let's say you're making four thousand dollars us a month you have the same access to all the clubs and parties and women for the most part here in this city. That's not the case in Rio de Janeiro or in Sao Paulo because it's, it's still people who have you know much more money than that. Uh, so you kind of, for lack of better words, you kind of beat the game really quickly, you know? And then the other part about Bahia specifically in Salvador is it's like 700 miles of coastline. So like the thing to do is go to the beach here, but the problem is everywhere is a beach. And so, it's the same thing everywhere, but then it's only a few beach clubs. But all the beach clubs only go to a certain level, right? And then, like, you know, we're, we're you know in, in Salvador, you're on a bay, or you're on the the Atlantic Ocean side of things. So mm-hmm. it's a very similar environment. Either it's really windy or it's really calm. You know, the the, the water's warm everywhere for a hundred miles in any direction, right? So it's, it's like just very similar with just a few differences. Um, and, so, and then also like because Bahia is not as uh, opportunity rich as other places, uh, everything kind of stays the same. You know, like there's not a new hotel that got built last year on the coast. There's not a new big club. There's not a new big thing that, ta- you know, attracts people. So it's just kind of like. It's like being in a summer camp. It's like staying in a summer camp and everybody else goes home. You know, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm at summer camp and everybody, you know, from Sao Paulo and the States, they kind of circling throughout the year and I'm here.
5: It sounds like Steven went to Brazil, Bahia, for a new challenge, something to conquer. And he's conquered Salvador. And now he's looking for the next obstacle to overcome. You're right, bro.
2: Yes, that's exactly uh, it. I also think mm-hmm. that's a common problem when you get outside the tier one cities. Um, I was
0: thinking the same thing. It's like think, a, it's, it's common to any tier B city, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, after a certain time and I think your, your time frame is exactly right. Like five, six years. Um, a while back, I, I did like five, six years where I was pretty much in Medellin. And then I hit that point and I was like, man, I've got to get out of here. And I still love the city, and I still go back, but I can't live there anymore. I need something more. Mm-hmm. I need the excitement, the the change, the newness. Yeah,
6: yeah, then, oh, that's how that's how.
1: Hmm? What you made about the um, you know reaching the, a certain level of connections, I get it on being. Yeah, you should rather go to a Tier A city where you're gonna have an, uh, an upper cap. But the thing about stagnation specifically, uh, yeah, that makes more sense in being in the Northeast because at least. M- like my experience in the South, I don't live in Brazil, but I go back to Brazil every single year to visit family, tr- tourism, et cetera. And, you know, like in, in the South, even in the small cities in the in the coast, like Pizarra, España, Bombinhas, et cetera, every year you go and there's more and more skyscrapers and and high-rise buildings. And, you know, there's a lot of construction going on there. They're you know, bringing in new parks, bringing in new universities, bringing in a lot of stuff. So it does feel like... the the feeling that I get when I'm talking with my family over there is like, ah, they're building all these apartments next to my my old home that I, you know, had this beautiful beach uh, view now. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of apartments everywhere. Like it's the, it's a feeling of the, you know, the boomer that is, is tired of all this growth that is happening around me.
3: <laughs> I think we kind of just came to like shares his point about like the different regions, right? Like the South of Brazil is a much wealthier area. So like, I guess it doesn't surprise me to see that getting built up, but where Steven is, I guess, it, I think it is probably much more stagnant, like he says.
2: And a lot of that probably has to do with the international tourism too. Uh, as far as I know, like the, where Steven is, that region gets a lot less of the international uh, tourist You'd be, wealth, you'd be
3: surprised than- how little tourism Brazil gets. I get so much pushback whenever I tweet about the tourist visa. Because people are furious about it, because I point out how many tourists Brazil actually gets a year, which is like six million, which is like it's less than Iran. It's, it's less than Iran. Like, they, yeah. they don't really have an international tourism industry. Right? And, and like, most
2: of that tourism that comes comes to Rio de Janeiro, maybe a little or bit. It's
3: like, or it's Argentinians coming to Floripa, right? It's not like Americans coming and spending a bunch yeah. of money. It's business tourism to, tourism to Sao Paulo, too, to an extent. But
0: I, I tweeted this map, like, well, and, probably a year ago. I wish I could find it again. And it was broken out by state, the number of tourist entries. And once you get to all the other states, kind of in the, you know, the middle center and so forth, like Campo Grande and Piauí and, and all that, it's like 40,000 tourist entries per year. Yeah. Which is like which is like the crazy people yeah, that want to go insane. see at like
3: crocodiles in, in the Pantanal, right? Like it's like safari tourism mm-hmm. at that
4: point.
2: Yeah, it's you get like into those insane, regions
4: though. and like you'll encounter people like if you, you try talking to them and like they've literally never heard like a language other than Portuguese spoken <laughs> like in their life. Like even if you're speaking to them in Portuguese with like a, a gringo accent, they look at you like you're crazy, like you're from another planet or something. Because you know?
3: like yeah. a lot of those places too where, by where you are, Aaron, are like those weren't even really towns like two generations ago. Right. Like they went from like some of these like agriculture towns in, in Manto Grosso and stuff went from like 80,000 people to a million in like 50 years. So like, they, yeah, they like all a- this
4: like Chinese money just started pouring into those regions and like, it's just boomtown central now. Right. And those, yeah. mm-hmm. and a, a lot of these interior states too, like there's just no tourism infrastructure for like people that don't speak Portuguese. Right. Like, like I remember oh, I, well. I went to, the, when I went to the first time I went to Minas Gerais to some of the historic colonial cities in Minas Gerais. And I didn't I didn't speak very good Portuguese at the time. So we found we found like this guy who was peddling himself as like an English tour guide, English speaking tour guide. He was like all like bragging about he had like a sign and everything, business card. <laughs> <laughs> and like this guy's English was so bad that like I had to like talk to him in Portuguese the whole time. My like, you know, just elementary Portuguese was better than his English, but he was like marketing himself as an English tour guide. And it was like there's no way, like a you know, like my dad would have came with. Like, there's no way he would have understood anything about what we were what we we're doing. So, wow. some of these states just have like no infrastructure for even receiving. You know, like once you get to these interior places, there's just like no English, like you know, there's just no English proficiency at all, really. So it does make it a little difficult if you're not, you know. At least I, I was custom. spending
2: a fair amount of time in a, a small city in uh, Minas. Um, I was going there every three four months. For a couple of weeks, and literally, I would get into an Uber, and the Uber driver would remember me from three months ago. <laughs> I was so many people in the town because they'd never seen a Gringo before. So mm-hmm. everybody got to know me. Everybody wanted to know why I was there. Um, quite the experience. Well,
4: even at like, even in, in like, I live in 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 Brasilia here, which is like pretty like international city, I guess. Relatively, it's it's just embassies and there's foreigners that come here and whatnot. And I, mean, I went to a little like pastel restaurant, you know, up the street from my house to, to go eat the other night and like started talking to the, the server. And the, like, the guy got so excited because he's never met an American before. And this is like in the center of Brasilia, which is like a pretty like international city. Like, know, mm-hmm. it's not even, you know, among the,
3: even among the Brazilians. Brasilia gets like a bad tourism rep, too, which is kind of funny, but, like, right? Like every time a Brazilian's like, oh, should I go to Brasilia? If you ask him, like, no, why would you go there?
1: Exactly. Why would you go there? Like, <laughs> I
3: yeah.
1: do I want to see realist right. architecture? No, I don't. Like, <laughs> why it's, why it's would I like, it go?
4: It's, it's the Jetsons meets you know meets like 1960s <laughs> communist architecture, and if you like fuse those, yeah. those big two together, you get Brasilia, basically.
1: But the yeah. quality of like, life here like, is actually pretty is, good. Um, this is a big advantage of Brazil in general because, like, basically all that we've been talking about the last five minutes is just. We're talking a lot about like hidden gem cities on Twitter and places where no one knows and they are undiscovered. Basically, everything in Brazil outside of São Paulo, Rio and, you know, one or two neighborhoods in Floripa are hidden gems. There are no foreigners there at all. (laughs) It's all undiscovered.
0: This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by Language Blend, the new best way to learn Spanish. Language Blend focuses on what you actually need to live and get by abroad with daily one on one lessons, a dedicated texting partner. It's like living in a Spanish speaking country without ever leaving home. Go to languageblend.com for more information.
3: I've been here 10 years and I have so many places on my tourism bucket list in Brazil still that I haven't gone to, like, especially up by, by where Aaron is, like, uh, Boniato, like, Monte Grosso is, like, an up-and-coming one that looks amazing. Like, I still want to go to the Pantanal. I haven't done that. Like, Belang. I know, Aaron, you said you were going to Belang last time we yeah,
4: talked, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, we went to Belang in July, actually, which was, like – How was it? Uh, it was wild, man. It was, like uh, – <laughs> it was it was crazy. And we went to the, this island that is uh, Ilia do Marajo. It's, like, the that island, like, right at the mouth of the Amazon. When you get there mm-hmm. – And, like, there's no, like, the only form of transportation is just these, like, motorcycle taxis. So, you just have to, like, hop on the back of this, like, random. And I was there with, like, my nine-year-old kid, my son. (laughs) So, so, but he just, like, jumped on this guy's motorbike and, like, took off. And I was like, all right, well, I guess we're, here we go. So, uh, but no, it was it was incredible, man. Belang was, that was, uh, yeah, that was an incredible city.
6: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, Bahia, you know, has a lot of different islands here that nobody's been to. Um, and so I've got to see a bunch of those islands over the years. And like, I remember I went to a place and uh, so being from Alabama, they're, like I'm going to keep referencing Alabama, that's where I'm from. But like, it's so many, re- it's so many parallels. And so I was on an island called Ilygy Maray. it's like a quilombo. I don't know if y'all know what a quilombo is, but um, it's this small community and so all these people think that me and my friend are Brazilian. I'm like, no, we're not Brazilian. I'm like, no, you are Brazilian. And I'm like, well, we no, we're Americans. We speak English. They're like, no, 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 you don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, you're you're a Brazilian. Like, stop playing. And so we started speaking in English. They were like, hey, come here, come here, come here. Hey, he speaks English. What is that? And they're like, hey, say that thing again. And so he started talking in English again. Like, making a spectacle in a little town, speaking in English. You know. And uh, I had another guy, so I do capoeira. So uh, I was doing capoeira with this guy, and uh, he said, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm I'm American. I'm from the United States." He said, "I'm sorry, man. I'm from the interior. I don't know where that is. What are you talking about? What is this place?" I I didn't really finish school, and I was like, "Wow, bro, it's like the continent above this continent." Like,
4: yeah, like Donald
6: Trump, you know, like Barack Obama. Yeah, these
4: people, you know. (laughs)
6: <laughs> Bro, he did not know what an American was. Not that he had never met somebody. He didn't know where our country was. You know, so that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's about <laughs> you. That's how I want to be. <laughs> right.
4: Yeah, well we'll have to give you like the men, men in black, like men memory wiper.
6: Right. right. Forget, <laughs> the, forget <laughs> the US ever existed. Mm. It's crazy, man. You know, so it's it's a, um, I was uh I was out in this In this city, it's a community. uh, It's like probably fifteen thousand people. uh, About three weeks ago, it's where I go and they uh, they like kill alligator and buffalo and stuff. I know the butcher there, and he likes me or whatever because I I usually bring American seasonings and whenever they do a churrasco and I'll grill like you know the American seasonings. And so the guy was like, "Hey man, you talk real funny, but I like you." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm speaking great Portuguese. What do you talk about? Talk funny? Like you talk funny?" He's like, "No man, you know you, you." I don't understand your language that well when you speak in Portuguese, but you're all right with me. And I'm like, is this how far we we're moved from the you know the interior and people in the city here in Bahia? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's been it's crazy to experience because there is uh, quite a say.
0: divide in Bahia and probably most of Brazil, right, between the coast and the interior. Francisco, do you mm-hmm. think you could speak to that?
1: Oh, for sure. The lifestyle is completely different, right? I, I lived most of my life next to the coast, right? So Blumenau is like one hour or something from the coast. But then my last year, while I was living full-time in Brazil, I went to Maringá, which is the interior of Paraná, like nine hours from the coast. And just the overall lifestyle, like how the people live is completely different, right? When you're in, when you're still like one, two hours from the coast, the weekend activity is Let's go to the beach. <laughs> let's go to our either family house on the beach or go visit uh, uh, you know some friends or rent a place and do stuff by, by the beach. And whereas in, in the interior, one downside is you have no beach. You, you cannot go there, uh, at least not every, every weekend. But one really cool thing about the interior is that the communities are usually a bit tighter because the weekend activity is let's gather the friends and make a barbecue. So, you know, you have a lot more of this, basically wild—not wild west, like cowboy culture. You could say, like you know, the the people who you go on Tinder in the interior of Brazil, and the girls are wearing these belts with the huge buckle on, and the yeah. and the and the hats, and we're, you know, you're having barbecues all the time. So it really is a kind of a, a cowboy culture.
0: Galoperos, that yes. was called.
1: So called Gal Galoperos. It's like Sertanejo, Gaúcho, depending on which interior you're talking Mm -hmm. about.
6: Satanero? Satanero? Is that the word? Satanero? Sertanejo. Sertanejo. That's like Uh, the uh, music. I hear
1: a lot.
6: Yep.
0: So uh, I, I do want to come back to capoeira as well as samba. I know, Francisco, at some point you were looking at doing samba and and kind of like the Brazilian activities that a gringo could maybe look forward to getting involved in, including the music, certain Asia and so forth. But before we just to kind of like buckle the buckle a bit more on Brazil, the theme of Brazil, is like the final frontier of Latin America, and as kind of its own island in Latin America, if you guys... Maybe have more anecdotes about that and I guess how it feels to be frontiersmen.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think one one big topic about Brazil that I experience when I'm with friends from abroad that are in the country and I'm showing them around or uh, recently in my last trip with my girlfriend. When you're in Colombia, everything is so close, right? You're like two hours away from Caribbean, Pacific, big city, mountains, etc. Whereas in Brazil, the distances feel much more real, right? We we did a road trip from, you know, Maringá interior of Paraná to the coastline in Brazil. And we drove for 10 hours straight. And then you look in the map and it's this, right? It's like, <laughs> and you basically didn't even move. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that is a that is an aspect to traveling and living in Brazil. It's just the distances are are much more real. Okay, Although like for the Americans, I guess it's the same, uh, but it's, you know, especially if people are used to Europe or Colombia or these smaller countries, it does feel you know much more uh, just huge.
4: Like I've always found it, I've always found it really interesting how, and I, I would appreciate uh, others' perspectives on this too. But it it feels almost like Brazilians like they very strongly like don't like being associated with like Spanish Latin America. Like they view themselves as almost like this separate like superior civilization that's like more connected with like european society and maybe it goes back to like you know like uh, like dom, the dom pedro era like of the of the, the, the you know the emperor who was very like this cultured like european educated
3: well I but think it's, it's like
4: saying... sorry no, go ahead
3: i was gonna say it's the only real melting pot in latin america right like you look at like the other countries and it's mostly spanish like some italian immigration argentina but Brazil has the largest expat community of Lebanese, Syrian, Japanese, like where Francisco's from is the second largest Oktoberfest in the world outside of Germany. So there's all these different cultures. Like in Bahia too, like a lot of the African cultures there too. So like like a lot of them have absolutely nothing to do with Spanish speaking Latin America. Right? Like if you're like a third generation Japanese in, in Sao Paulo, what the hell do you care about Peru? Right? Like you don't feel any any connection to that culture really. So I think, I think they feel that way rightfully in a lot of
2: cases.
6: Yeah. I think, I think that the parallel i see is like with the United States in Europe. Right. So like, we don't care about Europe as Americans, Fuck Europe you know. that's how we feel. Essentially. Like we're not trying to speak Spanish or French or Italian or any of that United States and Brazilians are the same way. I, I see like as much as they make fun of us or are critical about, uh, norcia medicanos as crippled as they are they do the same things we do they don't even play spanish music on the radio you know they don't here in south there are no it's like it might be a mexican restaurant here that's it colombia's right next door there are no colombian restaurants you know on this side of the country that i've seen or venezuela and argentina they don't even talk about it you know and so for that for everybody, for everybody to be so close to them there's very little influence of the rest of Latin, of South America, for that matter, on what I see in Brazil.
2: But the interesting thing to your point is, even though they are sort of their own island, I find the Brazilian people to be much more accepting of foreigners and other cultures mm-hmm. than the other Latin American countries. Um, like, especially especially now that you have a lot of the digital nomads and in places like Colombia and Mexico, you're starting to get a lot of anti-gringo sentiment. I don't see that or feel that at all in Brazil. Like, even the word gringo doesn't have the negative connotation here that it has in other countries.
6: Well, I also think it's because it's not that many of us. True. True. You know, like, in my city, I've been here five years. It might be a hundred of us that are living here full-time, maybe. And I'm, I'm just being like, Really, you know, generous with that, but it's probably more like fifty of us are staying here year round. That's of all age groups.
3: Yeah, and it's so big too, right? Like Francisco said, we're spread out. So like, whereas in like, I feel like in Colombia, all the gringos pretty much go to Medellin, with some in Bogota, maybe a few in Cartagena. But in Brazil, like, you're not going to notice even if there's ten thousand in Sao Paulo. Like, you might not run into them, and then there might be another five thousand in Rio, and like, you won't really notice them because it's so big and you can blend in. And you also can't really pick them out by looks either. Like in Colombia, I stand out like a sore thumb. Like Brazil has the most counterfeited passport in the world because you can pretty much just put any picture on a Brazilian passport and it's believable.
6: Yeah. No, and I I agree. And that's also one of the reasons why I came to Brazil as opposed to going to Colombia. I was like, I can blend in in Brazil. I'll just do that before I, you know, go to Colombia or uh, like, you know, Mexico City or something like that. And I think that you know, there's some xenophobia there and there's probably some racism that goes along with that as people look at like, hey, we don't want gringos here. Like in for example, Mexico City. There's a big there's a big uh, sentiment of that. You know, it's a growing sentiment of, you know, gringo hate. And it's the same thing in Argentina, right? In Buenos Aires. Am I right, Francisco?
1: I haven't seen too much of it still. I think they're they're a bit more focused on their own problems, uh, at least for the upcoming weeks. Like everything that I'm seeing is just people handing stuff against me late. Uh It's the <laughs> it's the current thing.
6: Yeah, I see it on the internet more. I guess I see it more online, but I think it's also because it's not us, but it's somebody else that kind of riles up. Riles I, up I, the, the... I did
1: hear people like t- uh, complaining about gentrification and uh, like the the prices are becoming inaccessible for the locals, etc. But uh, at least. At the moment, the big issue seems to be the, the elections in Argentina. Yeah. How
6: when is when is elections there?
1: Uh, Sunday, actually. Finally,
6: I'm glad. I, I think I think the the other guys, the other guy's are gonna win. The left guy. I don't think the guy on the right is gonna win. I don't know their names. I forgot their names.
1: That will yeah. benefit Brazil, as I have a couple of Brazilian friends here who are studying for free in university and paying very little rent <laughs> and, and everything. <laughs> because <laughs> university is free even though. for it's foreigners. Yeah, yeah. You
3: after. should explain that because that's like an arbitrage that a lot of Brazilians do, especially like for the more expensive schools like med school that are really, uh-huh. really difficult to get into the public things. They'll just go to Argentina and go to school for free.
0: Bolivia. Paraguay. Yeah. How, How does that
3: literally work? Just, you literally just sign up at a university. And, then and that's it. You're done. Just go. I mean, you might have to fill out some forms and stuff, like an entrance exam. Maybe there might be a sign-up fee. I don't know the the full details, but pretty much anyone gets in if you want to go. And then you can literally just get your degree and come back and make twenty times what you would make in Argentina working as a doctor in Brazil.
1: Yeah, and, and that's wow. a big uh, that's a big thing about Brazilian like superior high. How do you say like superior education, high level education? Anyway, yeah, higher education. Uh, the private universities are, they're good and they're not like hard to get in, but they're expensive for Brazilian standards compared to what most people here make. They, they are quite expensive. It's cheaper to go to a, a university in Europe as a non-European uh, and pay the fees there. It's cheaper than the, the top private universities in Brazil. Uh, at the same time, the public universities, which are the ones that are for free, are extremely competitive. Uh, when I was uh, studying like doing my last year of high school in Brazil I like did the tests for the State University of Maringá um, and was, it was about like 350 candidates per spot in medicine I did econ- I applied for economics which had like four people per spot uh, but the you know like medicine architecture law uh, the, the big ones are hyper competitive so you know a lot of my my classmates from from Paraná, they are in Paraguay and Argentina. <laughs> they they studied over there. It's uh, it's the alternative. One
4: the, like one of the things I I mean this may be like a Brasilia feature because it's the capital city, the government city. But like the extent to which like people like devote their lives to studying for these like concursos to be able to like get like government jobs, like I just found it to be like a total like shocker, right? Like people yeah, it's, like it's. I was just like wow, like people are like. Like they they put like talking about like putting all your eggs in one basket (laughs) i think they're like i'm gonna study for this test for seven years so i can get this government job that'll pay me like hay ice a month for the rest of my life or something
1: yeah they Uh, they do that both for entering university like there i know people who you know they they have these yearly or bi-yearly tests to get into university and there's people who study for like three years straight to get into in a brazilian university right they it's three years of your life just studying for the test so you can fit all the all the questions that get in and same thing for for these jobs right like for being a, a police delegate or you know like a, an irs inspector these kinds of things like once you get the job you have great benefits uh, a very high level salary for local standards and you're basically unfireable so, you know, people pay courses and they pay mentorships and they do like all of these high level Asian style uh, studying tricks to to see if they can they can pass. It's quite I, depressing, I think,
0: you know, for the, the relevance here, maybe for the audience listening to this because they're not Brazilian studying. So, but the way they would care is if you are spending time in Buenos Aires and Asuncion in La Paz, Bolivia, any of the, the countries surrounding Brazil, You will meet Brazilians living abroad. There will be huge student communities in these countries. There will be capoeira schools. I'm sure there's a ton of capoeira schools in Buenos Mm -hmm. Aires, right? And so even if you only want to come to Brazil for a couple of years, you don't want to make it your life, but you want to, you know, learn the language, do the beach thing, whatever, and eventually move on, you'll be able to use that skill of the Portuguese language and have that cultural community that you can connect with in other cities in Latin America, as well as, of course, in Portugal.
3: Yeah, we, we could circle back to to the Brazilian student visa, too, because while the private universities are expensive for Brazilians, it's actually quite affordable compared to U.S. universities, like way cheaper. And the mm-hmm. student visa is a really straightforward visa. It gives you residency temporarily, so you'll be able to open a bank account and everything. You'll be able to get an internship and paid internship with a Brazilian company if you want to. And I had a friend that did it and he just did Portuguese as a second language at uh, PUCI, Pontific Universidade mm-hmm. Catholic in Sao Paulo. And it was like I don't know, a thousand to two thousand dollars for the semester. And then it came with the visa and he also got, you know, Portuguese classes. So like if you actually want to learn Portuguese, you can go to the classes at a university and take mm-hmm. Portuguese and you get the visa. And if you sign up Is this uh, a master's program? No, it's just anybody can do it.
0: Undergrad, because you wouldn't send an 18-year-old kid to Brazil and be like, "It's cheaper, go down there, I, have fun." No, I'd show. Not up really, around. maybe a master's or maybe a semester. No, 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 or, like
3: no, you can do this when you're 40. Okay. Like it's it's just a program that they offer through. Like you don't even have to be a student. He wasn't a student right. there. He already had his degree. He just came right. down, wanted to stay in Brazil, and instead of having to do the tourist visa every 90 days. I see. I he got see. a letter from them. All you need. It's basically the same as a. Uh, it's the standard visa process, but you just need a letter from the university saying you're enrolled.
2: You just, you, it, just has to, it just has to be a university. I forget what the minimum number of hours it, is. Yeah, exactly. It's by the number
3: of hours, and, and the university will know exactly what it is, and some are better priced than others. But it's it's a it's a reasonable way to get a, a longer-term visa to Brazil, and it comes with a class, basically.
0: Hmm. Yeah, good alternative to the digital nomad visa, potentially. But and, uh, you could
4: do – The tourist visa – uh, the tourist visa window has been shrunk under Lula recently, right? He, he cut it from like 180 days to 90 days. I thought I saw something about that recently. You, guys, you I think guys they postponed that? it a bit though, right? They, or what's up with it's that? It's been
6: postponed to January. It was, uh, it was supposed to start last month and it didn't. But in my experience uh, as of late, uh, this whole visa thing is a joke right now. Uh, I had a friend that did 180 days here already this year, left for a month, came back, no visa, and went straight through. Yeah, at at they have no idea. Yeah, like they have, yeah, they have, they have, they have no, no idea. idea. They don't have I, don't very, know how to yeah, keep
2: I had it. this, yeah,
3: yeah. It's,
0: this is uh, Jer's area of expertise.
2: Yeah, they, they, the immigration in Brazil does an exceptionally bad job of tracking the days. So <laughs> it's not that you should recommend it because no. somebody could be that one person that gets the guy having a bad day that actually looks at it, but nine out of 10 times, yeah. You're just going to go right through. No, no. I've asked have-
3: two. I've asked on the same visa two different two different people on the same day how many days I had left, and they gave me different answers. Yeah, we'll the same computer.
2: I was bad. just going to say one. with the new visa, so they postponed that to January, which is uh, Americans, Canadians now need to pay again. Um, and it's still unclear if that can be done digitally or you're actually going to have to go to the embassy or consulate like you used to have to do. Um, but as far as I know, it's still they'll give you the 90 days once you pay and enter and then you can go to the police and you can extend it for an additional 90 days. So it is still the 180 days that you can get with a single visa.
6: But the, I, I find that the issue is is like they don't enforce it at the at the border. They enforce it at the Policia Federal afterwards. And you had to pay like a boleto or a moot, you know, what I'm saying, a fine or whatever. And um, also, like, I just – it's so many discrepancies. I was supposed to get a 10,000 ice fine. I get to the Policia Federal, and they were like, oh, yeah, just pay us 1,700 ice now. Dude,
3: you got – I had, I got the same thing. Were you there during COVID when they closed all the stuff? Yeah. On my way out, too, they gave me a 10,000 reais fine. I said to my lawyer, and, like, we had to process the federal police or whatever. I don't know what he did, but he came back one day and said, no, you don't owe him anything. So those guys – they were, I think, I think they were just giving it to people, honestly, to see who would pay. I think, like, yeah, they closed it and they were just like, let's see who we can get some money from.
6: But I got two of those.
3: You got two? I thought Man. ten thousand was the legal limit. And the worst part was you you couldn't pay till you came back, so you had to wait for you, and it was accumulating interest at like thirteen and a half percent.
6: Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So like, they have times. Um, I got the little the little you know piece of paper. Of like, hey, give us ten thousand. here ice. And, I'm, you know, I'm 20000 in now plus interest, and they just told me, like, yeah, pay us this 1700 now and, you know, forget about the rest. And so now I've been, for lack of, I just don't, you know, I have no fear of the Border Patrol of Brazil anymore uh, because of these things because, like, there's no real rules. Uh, I saw a guy do five years straight here and then go to the States for a week, come back, no problem, you know. Dude. With no visa?
3: Yeah, no nothing. Like I had it out with them too. Like I, I was like they wouldn't. I wouldn't sign the paper going through immigration because like I knew what the law was. Like they postponed the stuff. And, like I had permanent residency. Like I had a process open to get my permanent residency. Like, Here's my protocol number. And they're like, no, no, no. Like let me talk to your boss. Like no. And like this was also like a 250 pound woman who had like shaved eyebrows and she repainted them like bright purple. And I was like, can I please talk to someone serious? Like, no, no. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I haven't taken this seriously. That's in a long crazy. Time.
3: They gave you two, though, because I thought like the legal limit was actually like, I don't think like, by law it can be more than 10,000. I think that's the max fine. So I don't know. what no. They tried to just give you the max fine twice to see if you
6: give it to them. I never paid, I didn't pay you the one. I, I think, like, I, I've, I've like, this is not good. Don't anybody watching this, don't follow, don't listen to this stuff. I just have not been a Brazilian passport visa respecter uh, in my time here. <laughs> and I haven't gotten in trouble. So I'm like, what's the, it's been five years. I've always overstayed. I've only had to pay one time out of all the times I overstayed. I've been on here on regular tourist visas for a year. I've done nomad visas. I've done it all. And now I'm in, <coughs> I'm doing a permanent residency uh, situation. And even that, they didn't know how to get started for my digital nomad. Because with a digital nomad visa, you're supposed to have uh, the ability to, to do an extension for one year. I go to extend my nomad visa, and they're like, no, nah, just do the permanent residency now. <laughs> I'm like, what? I want, I want to do a nomad one more time. No, nah, just, yeah, that's over for you.
2: They sort of make it so, up as they go along.
6: That's exactly
3: <laughs> it. That's the, that is the phrase. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is basically yeah, the entirety of Brazil. If you're trying to start a business or invest, it's the exact same scenario, but for the taxes, right? So, oh, what do I have to pay? I don't know, right? It's uh, what's what are the regulations? I I don't know. Like, no one really knows. Like, you have some guidelines, you have some you know theoreticals, but on practice, there's a lot of things that just pop up, and you have to uh, kind of deal with them as they come along.
3: Yeah, I had one too. Like, I've had six seven visas in total, counting like the student visas since I've been in Brazil. And I had one where like on my first student visa, they always ask you like the name of your parents, right? Like, and I wrote one with my dad's like middle initial. And I guess one, I didn't. So like, I get there and I go with all the paperwork and they're like, well, on this document, it has the middle initial and this one doesn't. And the, the girl looks at me and goes, well, who's your father? And I go, the same guy my whole life, man. I <laughs> only got one. And she's like, no, 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 no. So I had like, take it to another office on Consolação, like not the federal police in LAP anymore. And like they tell me, it's like, no, you need to provide a document from the United States saying that your father legally changed his name. And I was like, but he didn't. So how am I going to get that? (laughs) (laughs) Finally, I was just like, my lawyer gets another three hours to bill for or whatever. And I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like what's going on? And like he had to, I don't know, do the Brazilian thing where he calls people and makes it. Makes it better. I don't
2: know. And, and don't. Right, got resolved
3: eventually. I got the visa. I have no idea how that got resolved. Eventually, and, they just gave up on it.
2: And, and don't. Grow. Forget, don't forget about the expiring birth certificates uh, in Brazil. Oh yeah, the, yeah the, the Oh, the apostille. You know, well, no, is... the actual birth certificate expires, so you have to get a new birth certificate every six months, and then you have to get it apostle and then you actually have to have the apostle verified. So It's the most the
3: apostille was new, I didn't have to do that for like the first five. The most recent one I did, which was miserable because yeah, it was taking like 10 weeks in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's
6: yeah, it's crazy, yeah. But but also, like, if you just throw a little money around, it makes everything go a lot better, in my experience. just have a, hey, yeah. just have
3: a lawyer, I don't, you like,
6: and yeah, because my lawyer was like, Yeah, man, you know. We can, you know, if you give me another four hundred highs, we can make this go much faster. If we just get it to my friend over here, I'm like, look, dude, whatever you gotta do, let's just do it that way uh, um, because this is ridiculous. Uh, however, we're doing it, and so I have found that that has been my way through a lot of bureaucracy here. Uh, if you want American level service, American level bureaucracy, spend an extra five hundred highs and uh, talk to somebody's cousin or ex wife or whoever, so you can pay them off and get the get the ball rolling. Whatever bureaucracy. With whatever paperwork you got to get done, you know, because um, it's, it's ridiculous here, at least in Bahia. I don't know about everybody else, but it's it's, it's really crazy. Um, has anybody sued anybody in, in, in this country or been a part of a lawsuit? I mean, luckily they, not. <laughs> just that 10,000
3: yeah. I fine we talked about, the federal police, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he technically did, but I appealed mm-hmm. it. So that was like the only lawsuit I ever had.
6: Yeah, well, just a FYI, Brazilians like to sue. Yeah. They love suing. People. It's like one of the. It
3: might be like per capita the most labor litigation in the world. Like any any company's balance sheet, you'll see they have a provision for like uh, if they fire someone, they basically guarantee to get a settlement or sue. Like the labor laws in Brazil are really rough on companies. Like it's hard to hire people. It's risky. I should say. Like you pay a hundred percent of the salary in taxes and stuff. Like pension, benefits.
1: Yeah, it's also very hard to fire people, right? You have a, like, if there's any issue, uh, there's is a separate, like, how do you say, judiciary system for labor disputes? You have the Justiça do Trabalho, which is like a separate, yeah, which is, <laughs> a which is separate a court, court just for labor cases, and they're like 95% in favor their of their
3: whole existence is to get money out of the company to give it to them, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't exist.
1: Exactly, yeah. Brazil usually but makes more sense. Like even the even the local Brazilians, they do it a lot. Where they work outside of like legal employment boundaries, they're using a Pejata, like they're using a, a local micro company to do their work. Right, it's uh, a lot of people having their contract that they're not a CLT, which is a an employee, but they're rather. a uh, uh, or a contractor, and that way there's less taxes, less red tape, et cetera. And that is one thing that Lula is trying to currently undo, right? Like the labor reform that we had in the past that allowed people to do stuff through a local company instead of, like through a known local company, instead of being an employee, Lula wants to undo that. So everyone has to be a you know a registered employee with benefits and the social security and, and everything else.
0: Hey guys, quick interruption to tell you about Bit Refill. BitRefill is the best way to convert your crypto into gift card balances. These are gift cards that you can spend at Hotels.com, Airbnb, Nike and many more. You may remember Joel Valenzuela, previous podcast guest. He's been living on crypto exclusively since 2015 and he's a big consumer of BitRefill. And so I asked Joel, I said, what do you like most about BitRefill? He said that he likes the instant delivery, the precise amounts, so that you don't have to juggle a lot of gift cards. And he loves the global selection. Nobody else has this much selection of gift cards. Over 10,000 gift card options across hundreds of countries. Go to bitrefill.com to sign up. And you can also use the code MyLatinLife for 10% back off your first purchase. Go to bitrefill.com for more information.
3: Yeah, I've worked, but, I've worked as a Peugeot for like 10 years. The only way I've ever made money in Brazil. Like I've never been a formal employee. And it's just way I mean, you have to have a good accountant, but it's way easier. I couldn't imagine having to get like my little they actually have a physical book, like a labor book that you're supposed to get signed by the companies, right? Like a little labor passport that your employees supposed to sign Labor and then, passport. And then there are these things that look like like hand sanitizer machines at some companies, like office I've been to, where they bought their ponto, where they still like I guess like check in, like it's their little like shift
6: card to track the hours.
0: The Flintstones.
6: Yeah. Like, yeah, no, literally, man. But but what but I find, though, is like as a I am an entrepreneur for my business is in the United States and I'm always asked, like, hey, man, you should invest in Brazil, you should invest in Brazil. I'm like, y'all are going to screw me if I open something here on the taxes. I can't hire and fire at the same in the same pace that I do in the States. It's no reason for me to 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 start a business here or invest in business here in Brazil and I don't see why I don't see how businesses are able to be profitable in this country based on bureaucracy. Like if I can get sued by everybody who works for me, why hire anybody?
3: You know? It's 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 definitely a different relationship with employees. Like it's definitely more of a conflict. So like like business owners are always trying to they like dividends, right? Like they want to take the money out of the company and put it somewhere else where it's protected rather than reinvest it and hire more people. Right. So like, you'll see mm-hmm. them, you'll see them just take a dividend and buy land and not do anything with it. Right. Like they'll just hold the land because at least like they can't, the employee can't come after the land and they can't come after a different real estate
6: investment. So yeah, it, it hampers growth for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, and this is obviously based around Brazilian politics and we all have lived here long enough that we kind of have a better understanding. But like, I find that because of how favorable it is for employees, it hampers outside, you know, foreigner in foreign investment and it takes away the entrepreneurial spirit that people naturally have. And so nobody either they're going to just sell like they will be a micro entrepreneur and they'll do like a, a one person business. Where they just work for somebody else. But in the States, it's not like that. Now, granted, obviously, we live in the United States, and it's super, we're from there, it and it's super easy to make money there. But I think Brazil could do that, too, if they just loosen up their bureaucracy a bit.
4: Yeah, it's a very unique phenomenon that, like, I, I mean, I started noticing this, like, really the first time I came here, maybe, like, you know, 10, 11 years ago, where, like, it's a very entrepreneurial culture, but, like, the entrepreneurial spirit doesn't really rise above, like, the hua, like the street level, like like you, you yeah. up at a stoplight. And there's guys trying to like sell you like pasoquitas and like strawberries and whatever. And you're like, wow, yeah. like, these people are really hustling. Like they're trying to sell you everything. You know, even like the homeless people will come and try to sell you like little balinas or whatever. But then like mm-hmm. you go to like any other like just sort of random store or like agency or something, and you're like, wow, like. service is like terrible here (laughs) like like (laughs) nobody even even acknowledges like that i'm even here as a customer wanting to spend money you know it's like there's this entrepreneurial spirit but it like you know as it it's just like only on like the street level almost like it doesn't really rise above that in my in my view my
2: perception you you also have a lot of what i'd call sort of informal business here so uh sort of small businesses maybe it's more than one person but the people are all hired informally the business in a lot of cases is paying little to no taxes. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just not structured as a formal business like we think coming from the United States. And they have to do that to be able to survive as a business because it's, as you said, the, the labor taxes are 100%. If they were literally paying every one of the taxes that the business was supposed to pay, it would be absolutely impossible for the business to make any money
1: that yeah. well, that's true like it, it is important to give um, a bit of a sense of comparison on on the taxes because like especially a lot of people coming from europe like I, I deal with the opposite case of brazilians going to europe and a lot of these guys who are you know earning a great amount of money for a, a self-employed or who are you know mid-sized um, entrepreneurs they're paying like Five to fifteen percent tax, like with the um, with the simplified regime, with the presumed profit regimes, There's a couple of different uh, tax regimes here, and when I tell them that, like, yeah. You know, if you want to go to Portugal, your top rate is going to be 48% (laughs) or your business, like the minimum you're going to pay on the profits is going to be like 21. Uh, You know, oh, you want to go to Spain? (laughs) Good luck with that. So, you know, while there are very high labor costs, specifically like the the labor part is a complete disaster if you're hiring someone as a a CLT. There is, you know, a certain playing room if you're a small to mid-sized business in these like smaller regimes. The, The bad thing is that the simplified regime ends at like, uh, $900,000 turn over a year. So it's really only if you're under that. Uh, the And then if you're like a very, very big company, yeah, then you can negotiate a, a tax um, exemption, you know, directly with the state government or the municipal government, like, you know, these big uh, car manufacturers do. But everything in between gets squeezed out, right? Like if you're very big, you're in one of the, the free trade zones or you're, you know, negotiating uh, directly with the politicians. If you're very small or... You know, sm- small enough. It's still better than Europe, better than a lot of the, the the developed world in terms of taxes. But the middle gets completely flatlined. Yeah, I agree oh. with that.
6: For sure, but they're doing it, they're doing it at the the middle is how you grow a country, right? Mm-hmm. That's how a country is grown out. That's how you build out. A culture, the middle class that we have in the United States. Uh, if you can't build that out, you're going to continue to see abject poverty, extreme wealth disparity, and the rich are going to keep getting richer, and nobody else gets to gets to enjoy that, right? Um, because, like you said, if they had to pull dividends out, they can't even reinvest to in increase salary because they're going to pay more. Yeah, on taxes. But but if you leave it like right, but like
3: if, think of it, if it was your money, would you leave it there if it's just like a honey pot for your employees that are going to try and get fired and sue you, like, of course you're going to take the dividend, right? It, show me the incentives, totally. I'll show you the outcome. It's like, of course they're going to take that money out.
1: Hey, if you're going to talk yeah. to incentives, the dividends are not taxed in Brazil. That is a exactly. big thing about it. <laughs> <That's
3: laughs> <what laughs> like, and that money is also tax-free out of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you want to pay yourself a salary, a pro labor, as the owner of the company, you pay a little tax on it. It's a lower rate than than what you would pay as an employee, but like, you can just take the dividend out tax-free.
6: Oh, no. No, it's not... Yeah, that's, that sucks. I don't want to get too, I, I feel strongly about these things cause I am an entrepreneur and I get asked a lot uh, by these buy-ins like, Hey, please invest, you know, please invest, please invest, please invest. And I'm My like, condo, I'll say this, no. thing, the, the <laughs> micro,
3: the micro, the mes the micro impressive structure, where it's I think it's up to like 5,000 reais a month is pretty much mm-hmm. just like tax free or they pay like a hundred reais a month in taxes. But if you pay it for two years, you start to get pension benefits like uh, like their Social Security, which isn't a bad structure for the guys on the streets. Like if they formalize and they pay like an 80, Rai, 90 reais tax a month and then they get pension benefits in return. Like that's not bad. Right. On, on $1,000 a month, you're paying 10 bucks, 20 bucks in taxes. It's not that bad. And if you have another one, you can just open a second structure, right? Like with your wife. This wife's. might
0: be a little boring for the guys with the, the minutia with the taxes uh, for the audience. But i do have one question has anyone bought land in brazil has anyone bought a condo anything like that
3: airbnb i i
2: moments. have bought property here um i in the last year i bought a, a small property uh, in minas and a number of years ago i bought uh, a condominium in rio um, did, did you have a specific question about buying property or Yeah, it's so to the I think they're phenomenal if you're doing it like as an Airbnb. They're really good investments in Brazil, specifically if you're purchasing smaller units. Um, The cash flow on them is as good or better than anywhere else I know. Um, and, And again, like we were talking about at the beginning, that goes to the poor tourist infrastructure that they have in most of Brazil. If you purchase, even in Sao Paulo, that does have somewhat of an international tourism industry, there just aren't enough hotel rooms. They're not enough units of international standards. So they design these buildings. They call them kitnets. You buy, they're like 25 to 35 meters, so very small units. It's basically like a hotel room with a kitchen and small kitchen and if you buy a new one I missed a one, lot of what you guys were talking about so shell. I don't know if you're in, in the so you economy and it, the, put the, kitchen the sink, inner like workings cabinet, of how Brazil works but can I just ask it, it's why Airbnbs easy in Brazil are by far
5: the worst you can find
2: good actual setups prices.
5: it's all this kitchenette, so a it's a little return, studio return 15, really it's 30 square meters you go anywhere else, you go to Mexico, you go to Colombia you got a loft, a balcony, privacy and they don't know how to take photos sorry if I'm I don't mean I don't mean to hijack this at all but
7: Dude.
2: <laughs> a lot of it A lot of it it has to do with, um, because they don't have the international tourism, to the extent these other countries do, they're gearing the Airbnbs to the local Brazilian consumer. And the standard that's expected is just much, much lower in general. Um, Like, I think a lot of Brazilians, before Airbnb got popular here a few years ago, they would rent They called them sitios, and they were literally just, we'd think of them as like sort of these dirty houses with nothing, and people would literally have to bring their own sheets, their own towels, everything. So as they transitioned to Airbnbs, they just, they're no standards. They just, uh, yeah, it's crazy because that's one of the big problems, I think, with traveling in Brazil. It's very difficult because... They're very limited uh, luxury hotels, five-star hotels, and the Airbnbs just are simply not up to par.
1: Just to give the the reference here, like the equivalent of a situ in Brazil would be a finca, I guess, in a uh, in Colombia in and Colombia. Uh, hmm, these other places. But, but like I will say that it has gotten better with the Airbnbs. At least this year, when I when I went back, I have seen more of these professional listings of like these managers that now have like eight airbnbs and they have like you know the description is it's Very good. The The but, pictures are no, that's going to be the getting the better. They have a person to more bring in the sheets, etc. Like, I agree. You know, I'm looking at Boom, not saying it's wow, well, fantastic, and yeah, they're like, like the are best, but like it, it has gotten better, uh, tourism, with time. So they, in terms they they of having
2: perfect units or whatever, are you finding that look in, good in all the cities? I guess my underlying issue is Sao Paulo and Rio, but so yeah,
5: you can buy all this property and the cost to build or the cost, for example, but outside of those, like the apartments. Like I, have seen your your apartments, uh, Stephen. Like I, you know, from whatever you posted online, you have an actual build. You got you got built-in bookcases. I can see. You know what I mean. Your kitchen is like not something that you bought at like the corner hardware store. And that kind of thing is it drives me nuts, right? Even in like you know a, a twelve foot uh, a twelve story building in um, whatever highly tourist city, it's gonna be hard to find like something that really meets. Mm-hmm. And exceptional uh, expectations. And I guess that's, and that's the quaintness of Brazil. That's why no tourists go there. And that's why we all love it, right? Yeah. Well,
6: Right. Well, I will say, like, I left the Airbnb situation two years ago uh, during the pandemic. I went on and got into a lease. I don't know if y'all lease or not, but uh, I just I was just like enough. I found that if you go ahead and lease something here, at least in Salvador, you can get much better quality than anything that's on Airbnb. Uh, you're not getting anything like this. And uh, me in the United States is how we talked about a place before Vance, Vance as well. You've seen my place. I'm not going to sell it here, but. Is way better than anything you'll see in the city that you'll see on Airbnb just because, uh, yeah, they don't care about tourists enough to give them the best apartments or the best views, or they think they'll the wreck it. They need I, to did,
3: I did the lease when I first came to Brazil, but like my problem with it was the contracts, they always wanted a long term contract, they would try and sign you for like a full year. And if you were going to go lower, like some of the flats would go three months, but then they jacked the price up. And they were also still ask for like one or two months security deposit. One year of, of rent.
5: I've, where do you find that, and man? Like and after me for two times of not leases. getting that back, like because like,
3: when you go to check out, the guy comes and goes. Oh no, I need yeah. to paint this, and like, dude, like. And then you also like yeah. I I still had the hassle or like you the electric bill was my responsibility, deposit. so like I would have to go and pay boletos and stuff, and like. Mm-hmm. On the ones in Sao Paulo that I rented, so I like Airbnb just because I just pay one price with my credit card and I'm done. Ten you, years in and. Oh yeah, yeah! Oh no! No one year. Yeah, like no. Some of them are thirty months. I was just gonna right? say it's
2: the, the typical Brazil lease is three years.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like yeah, in Sao Paulo, some of the kids in Paulo, some of the companies that specialize in flats back in this was 2013, 2014, would do a year, and you could get them down to like three months. But then they just you know if it's if it's five thousand a month for a year, it just goes to seven thousand for three months. They just jack the price up on you. Yeah. But yeah, standard, I, I think the standard lease is is what 30 months, I think. 30. It's 30 months
6: with 12 months locked in. And then after that, you are essentially month to month for the next 24 months. Okay. You know, uh, with, a secure, I'm a, with a security with the security deposit too. Like you got to pay them something up front, right? Well, what I did was I didn't have a fiador, so I just paid up like cash. I paid up six months up front. Uh yeah, I paid up six months up front because it was a really nice apartment, and it was a lot of competition to get it. So I was like, "Fuck this!" A, this that house. was
3: like six months' rent, right? So like you just didn't pay for the next okay. six months. Okay. No, like, no. What I it was okay. God. What? Was three months of rent and then a three-month
6: security deposit. Okay, which you would have theoretically, which you should get back when you. Yeah, you know, I'll get that back. I um I did something similar to that on my first apartment uh, that I got a lease on. And uh, I had a really good landlord. Uh, He was on top of it. He was a great dentist. And so like um, he, I didn't, I think what we did with my security deposit was, I think we just applied it towards rent. Um, But whatever it was, I got my money back on it because I I took care of the house, you know, so it was all good.
4: Can I like pose a new question to the group? I'm really Mm -hmm. interested to get your thoughts on like, like crime and public safety uh, because that's. Every time I tell people, like, I'm in Brazil, people are like, oh my gosh, it's not safe there. There's but, always like, a I've, reply I've, guy. Like, I've spent, I've spent like two years of my life here. I've never had any single issue with like crime or feeling mm. threatened or anything like that. But granted, I, I'm in a fairly safe space or neighborhood. But I, I would love Sao, to get.
3: Paul. I've been in Sao Paulo 10 years and never had a problem. And like, you're right. Like,
6: it, like, on Twitter or LinkedIn, and there's always a reply guy. It's like, but it's so dangerous. Always. It is dangerous in the regard. If you were at all places all the time, yeah, it's dangerous. It's not dangerous in that nice area that you're in. It's not dangerous if you're walking around in the middle of the day. Things start getting dangerous when you're, when drugs or alcohol are involved. Yeah. Uh, you're going out all times of day and night. You're going to a bunch of neighborhoods you shouldn't be in in the first place. You know, looking for drugs, stuff like that. Um, and then also just not paying attention. I find a lot of people, uh, specifically Americans, they get robbed or anything like that. They really believe they're in Disney, they're at Disneyland or something, you know, and they don't understand that thing in their hand is worth five thousand dollars, you know, and they just walk around just kind of like y- y- y'all. We know we all know Americans and how they act out here. So um, I find that you know they'd be like, "Yeah, man, I got robbed, man." I was like, "What happened?" He's like, "Man, he robbed me from my gold chain. Why did you have a gold chain on?" Do you not understand the currency exchange rate? If it costs you $2,000, that's $10,000. $10,000 is eight months of rent for somebody. It might be eight months of salary for them. And so you can't just do that. But, you know, in Salvador, I will say it's pretty crazy out here. Uh, I've seen some stuff. Uh, I've seen people get robbed with my own two eyes. Uh, I've seen people get shot with my own two eyes. Um I've seen some violent stuff happen, but as far as me getting robbed, that's never happened. It's never even came close to happening. Uh, A lot of women I know have been robbed. Like all the women I know in this city uh, have been robbed at some point or another. Um, Yeah, a lot of people I know have been been pickpocketed or they've been uh, robbed at gunpoint or something like that. You Um, you do. I don't.
2: I will say you you do have to be careful uh, in the cities like Sao Paulo and Rio with the cell phones. Um, I mean, I know better. I've been doing this for years. Um, A few years ago, I was walking down Paulista in Sao Paulo in the day. I I keep my phone in the pocket. I never have my phone out. And I needed to look at it, uh, Google Maps for a minute. And that's all it took. I was standing on the corner at a light. Some i foodie guy I think that there's the can't even touch me, just um, grab the phone.
5: I've been I've gone to places <laughs> Lay up, in I knew better. and someone's like, dude, but, don't go uh, there, it's so dangerous. You just gotta use common
2: sense but and you gotta be careful. We're and in the dangerous mm-hmm. we're on I, I think somebody I you don't know who said it, but it's good um, advice. Let me just say those of, like, reply the guys and that are saying places
5: are dangerous because That's when you hear mean, about
2: really bad, I've things never had been a victim
5: of violence, I've never had
2: anything bad something. But if you drop
5: a city that I'm fond of, I'm gonna tell everyone in that thread that it's a dangerous place and they should not go there just fyi oh yeah dude bro that's where that's where the girls have aids and uh and and and, jo- and joao is looking for uh an iphone is worth killing over yeah 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 forever forever it's still going on huh. it's Still going on. <laughs>
1: So you're the, guy, yeah. you're the
3: guy that's scaring everybody about Floripa.
1: Yeah,
2: the. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Yo, we trolled Twitter for like six months off of that stakes. Me and you did this for for a while. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. I'm 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 big on it, but. but I, I would say I would rather tell somebody a place is dangerous and they come with their eyes open than to say they, they're they're going to be okay and something bad happens to them because I think for foreigners they take oh it's safe as being very literal and they'll just go everywhere doing everything and uh, I
0: don't think that any I'm of like yo places you're stupid man like
6: you're really going to get yourself you're hurt out go here go to the
5: murder capital uh, of the world or whatever but so if far it hasn't happened and I haven't to seen Paris, it to
6: somebody i me personally Barcelona you but go to I have Prague, seen some whatever. You're going to face some the same really level of crazy situations. Needed, uh, I had a hard time getting out of awareness of what's going on. Know, <laughs> There's drugs, that, alcohol. You know, you don't get your you know, your stuff
5: women, stolen like outside of San Francisco or New York City or whatever. And so Americans just don't have this level of heightened security. You need to have that in Brazil, Mexico, uh, France, wherever you go. And so they just don't have that. <clears throat>
3: For the petty crime, the thing that bothers me, especially when Americans do it, it's like the Sao Paulo homicide rate is at one of the lowest levels, like 20 years. So if you look at the actual statistics, like the homicide rate in Sao Paulo is like 13 per 100,000. In Las Vegas, it's 31. In Cleveland, it's 33.7. Right? New Orleans, it's 40. Uh, Like Atlanta, Georgia is higher than Sao Paulo. So it's like you're way more likely to get murdered. Like I grew up outside of Philadelphia. like, I would never... Go to Philadelphia after dark. Like not in a million years are you going to see me downtown in Philadelphia? Like there's just drug addicts nodding off. It's extremely dangerous. And, like I'm way more likely to get murdered. Like I'm probably more likely to get my cell phone stolen in Sao Paulo. Fine, but I feel like I'm more likely to get murdered downtown in a lot of American cities. And statistically. Yeah, like the, that's
1: the, the, true. The statistical murder rate is a is a different thing though because it's mostly about like in the case of São Paulo. Okay, now São Paulo is controlled by a single drug faction and they control the entire city, so there's no war, there's no more drug-related uh, murders as much as you had in the '90s, for example. But like if you go to the Northeast where there's active confrontations between the cartels, you see like murder rates. Ridiculous. If they were independent states, uh, some of the states in the Northeast would be the most violent in the in the entire world, right? So. Yeah. Something you don't see that much in the, in the South as well, for example, it is, a, it is a safer place in general, not just for violent crime mm-hmm. and for petty stuff. But like one thing I think is important to, to note besides like the geographical, like, oh, South is a bit safer, like North is a, is a bit more uh, violent. It's, it's also about the, the local profile, because when you guys arrived in Brazil as a gringo, no one knows you and you're, you're basically anon, right? Like you're living a, a good life. But you're, you're not really a target. Like what you see a, a lot about in these like bigger cases in Brazil of like kidnappings or, you know, the reason why all the elites in Sao Paulo have blinded, uh, how to say like bulletproof vehicles is because they are a target, right? Like the, the son of a supermarket owner, uh, these kinds of people who who are, have local wealth I mean, and people know the that they're, they're rich. These are the kind of people who have bulletproof cars who are in you the, um, when you get into a, in the condos a with the, like all this security and, when you live in Florida, and so, and so in on. So I think that is a natural south south advantage. Door. If you're arriving to the country, you have a blank slate, right? You're not attracting attention anywhere unless you decide to attract some unnecessary attention.
5: Like you're building, you have a door guy or a few or a gate. Steven, right? Do you live in a nice area? Is it necessary? If you're in the street, are there guys outside that like, yeah? Okay, well, I shut my mouth, man.
6: Yeah, bro. I, I got a that and all that stuff, man. I live in a, I live in a pretty popular uh, neighborhood. It's called Vitoria, Vitoria. So it's like the like oh, this is the nicest neighborhood in the city. You know, that's what all the Brazilians say. It's, it's cool to me, you know. But um, I live on a like it's a I would say it's a busy street, but all the all the uh, apartments are all closed off. Um, but it's not like Alpha Vili or anything like that, where it's like a whole side of town is blocked off, but you definitely do need it. Uh, I would say you definitely need at least a doorman for sure here, you know, uh, cause it can get a little crazy. And you have a maid and a driver. I have a maid, I have a driver and a maid, yeah. Yeah, man, I got a whole little crew of people over here. Dude, one of my
0: biggest recent lifestyle upgrades that when you move kind of from digital nomad to medium or long-term expat, Getting that
6: made. Oh, my God. It's love, bro. It's so it's so awesome, man. Like, my maid, she wasn't here today. And it's, like, the first time she hadn't been here, like, during the week in a long time. And I was like, damn, I kind of miss it Because, like, I'm just used to having somebody in the house cooking breakfast, cooking lunch, and, you know, making my bed and, you know, all that stuff. But it's just, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the thing you do here. Like, because for those of y'all who don't live here, like, it's a... There's so much more service-based uh, jobs here, and so like having a maid is just like par for the course, you know. And so Braz- the Brazilians are the ones who got me into it, you know, getting a maid. You're like,
1: yo, you need a maid. I'm like, what? It's very common. <laughs> that's a that's a thing. Like if you're a middle class, like upper middle class in Brazil, you you have someone coming over to clean at least like once or twice a week. It's not a like I'm I'm part of the elite. It's no like. People have maids.
4: <laughs> well, in the, all the apartments yeah. even have like maids' rooms, like built into them mm-hmm. too, like in the back. Both maids' bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Entire like little like like suite just for the for the mm-hmm. live-in maid.
3: Yeah, like a lot of the like nets and flats that Drez talked about earlier will come with maid service as part of like the condominium fee. They'll just come and clean every day, like it's a hotel. Like you can sometimes they'll put a little thing on the door, like a hotel, and they'll clean every day if you want them to
6: hmm
0: it's nice wake up no, every this, day my coffee's there made i'm not like fiddling with the
4: thing it's great does that produce like a lack of just general like life skills and responsibility among like brazilian like upper class upper middle- <laughs> like, like you don't know how to wash your own clothes like you don't know how to cook you don't know how to clean anything like you you, you like you don't even know how to like leave the toilet seat up or down or whatever like <laughs> Like does it does it? I don't. I mean, does that? Have you guys notice any of that? Like, does that sort of? Is there like a lack of some of these kind of basic like life skills just because like people are just used to having maids do all that stuff for them?
6: Well, I'll I'll, I'll speak as a as a housekeeper employer. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> personally
6: attacked. <laughs> I'll first. Um. Yeah, I don't know how my, I'm. an American. I don't know how my my washing machine works. I'm gonna be real with you. Uh, I bought my washing machine, and then my housekeeper started working immediately after that. So, like, I don't know how that works. Um, (laughs) But it's all because it's in Portuguese. But that's
5: in the U.S. too. Number two
6: here, uh, at least here in Bahia, like, these guys ain't messing around with these women. So, like, the women take care of these guys pretty well. I'm not talking about housekeeping. Just in general, I'm not not talking about dating. But I know, like, all my guys that I'm friends with that are Brazilian, like, 90% of those guys don't know how to cook anything clean anything you know i don't know how they brush their teeth in the morning you know no offense yeah but the guys aren't getting taken care of like not getting taken care of by their women like they are here you know and so the guys in america just suffering through but the guys here are like they're like yeah my mom cooks everything or my girlfriend my wife she makes everything for me so yeah i don't have to do that so you know that's part of it i think
1: i think on the topic of not knowing how to do things um one thing that that shocked my my girlfriend and and also you know a couple of the people that come to Brazil, uh, it's that not everyone dances samba, not everyone knows how to to play capoeira. Like a lot of these cultural uh, stereotypes that you have of Brazil are. It's, it's a minority, right, of the, of the population that can, that can actually do these things. Like a lot of us appreciate like listening to samba or seeing a uh, hojada de capoeira, but it's a much more specialized skill. Like if you learn how to dance samba, that will be impressive at a party and it's not going to take much effort for you to learn to a level where you're already above, you know, like uh, at least 80% of the population. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody quick break from the podcast to tell you
0: about language blend, the best new way to learn Spanish. Language blend was co-founded by Jake Nomada, friend of the podcast, decade of experience in Latin America. And Jake and his team, they put everything into this program that they wish they had in terms of how to level up quickly with your Spanish language skills. Because the faster that you can get conversationally fluent in Spanish, the better the experience that you're going to have in Latin America. So go to languageblend.com for more information.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's like, it's like assuming that all Canadians... like you know, know how to play ice hockey at like, you know, and it's actually like, well, say, hockey, yeah. but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, good like- <laughs> pretty good at hockey. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I mean, if you, if you don't start out when you're like a little kid, like learning how to play, like, like learning, like ice skating is like the hardest freaking thing to learn. Like ever. It sucks. Cause like mm-hmm. you fall down and it hurts and you're like, this sucks. Whoever invented this sucks. Like, you know, it's a terrible idea. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just, but it's like, The amount of people who can actually do that well is like very small, even in a place like Canada. But I
0: I like what Francisco's point is really, which is that there's a lot of these little cool life skills that you can learn where you can invest maybe 50, 100 hours of your time just to get to like low level competency, like playing the guitar or samba or salsa dancing or something like that. And it really sets you apart in relative to the ROI like there's a high ROI relative to the time that you need to do it. And Brazil has some cool hobbies that don't exist in the rest of Latin America, which maybe you guys could speak to a bit more about, you know, capoeira. I've done a little bit of it as well. I love it. I think it's, it's so cool. I'm not very good, but, and even though like tiny bit I've done like 10 classes, you know, one time I was in the nightclub in Portugal, and these guys started doing capoeira in the nightclub, and I was able to like go up and like fucking like they were Stopping just joking. Just, I was able to just like jump in and the 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 what do you call it, the hoda, and the uh, hoda, yeah. I was able to jump in the hoda for a second, and be like, ah, yeah, what's up? You know, it's just like a joke, funny thing. You know, it helps make friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
6: would say like for me, like I might be the. I did a lot of capoeira over the last five years, like a lot, lot. I've had a bachizado game, in the course and everything. Like half of my friends are capoeiristas, um, and I've done a lot of that. So, like, I've done holders and carnival. That's the most enjoy, valuable one and, to pick up, man.
5: You know, the, the rest, club, all that stuff. I never learned it. that. I and never had the coordination. It has that I was been, been soccer. Uh, but the futevole like you say has been a high be the Best one. Same to thing with Foho, Same thing with samba.
6: Can do it. Um, I what else? Uh, I did a lot of like Fucci Volley, you know. Um, that's not a big one. Fucci Volley is a big one. I wish um, I had
4: the athletic ability to do Fucci Volley, but I don't. Hey.
1: <laughs> I will disagree because I'll, I'll stick to Stephen here on the on the capoeira side of things. I did it for one year and a half, two years. And I honestly believe it's one of the most complete physical activities that you can do in the sense that a lot of those movements require a lot of strength, like just, you know, Pure strength, uh, it, they require balance because you're doing acrobatic stuff. They require speed because it's also about you know reaction and all the time acting and reacting against each other. Uh, you're training mm. your musicality at the same time because you have to be doing it to the rhythm of the music. And at the same let, time, you're going to be playing the instruments let, as well. So me, you're really putting like everything you can consider... Right. So capoeira is you know, part of I like sport, it. And yes, it's know, a like good reaction movement, uh, flexibility. strength, will you strength, be able to speed, pick up a girl you know, in a bikini music? You can have all of it in a single package, and you're learning Portuguese you're at the same time because all the music's futbol- in Portuguese. So yeah. to me, the highest ROI would be capoeira, and it's just really fun. As well. I, in the South I have never seen yeah, people doing that.
5: capoeira on the well, beach, the but I see every every single person knows how to play Fuchivali.
6: Dude, well, I, I, I challenge you on that one. I challenge you on that as well. Like, <laughs> I
5: I dance for I dance samba. I do jujitsu. Uh, I did capoeira. Thing, None of those man. skills translate if into real can life. you dance, except for fights, it. if you can at do the club, club, if you can do samba, bar,
6: you don't have to say shit. You don't have to do volleyball. You don't have to your do capoeira. You wait till the music starts playing. You could, you ain't got to speak Portuguese, man. And that's it. You Who's got the, it. Who? You won. You won the game. You know, bro. You know, we're not talking about dating. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you can go just a, straight to can. volleyball
1: if you want. It's way easier. And, you know, you also have it in all major Brazilian beaches.
0: Yeah. Can, can I, can I ask a question as a, a more of a Brazilian outsider? So when you think about samba and samba lessons or the skills involved, so there's the dancing, but then there's also the instruments and the guys that just do, like, jam sessions, and they have, like, the ukulele type thing was that about?
1: cavaquinho <laughs> Yeah, the the is like this small small or, or just like, or like in general
0: thing. like everyone's like doing like jam sessions and like people bust out the uh you know what I mean the percussion and like they just do all these like jam sessions like in the street and Rio and and blocos and and different things like that. Is that a skill that you you know someone could get into is like if they're especially someone who's musically oriented to kind of maybe pick up some Brazilian instruments, maybe even just play the drums and jump in those jam sessions?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's just that, you know, there's a lot of things to Samba that one can, can see. Like in Floripa, when I was there, I was asking uh, Stakes for any recommendations of Samba classes because, again, my my foreigner girlfriend wanted to have some lessons and you can't find it. Like you don't find actual Samba Nuppe, Uh, Lessons, which is the one that you associate like with the you know these carnival queens doing all the all the samba move. Mm -hmm. Uh, What you find usually are these samba classes for you know pair dancing because that's also a a possibility. There's this pair style of samba called. uh, got fiera. and then you have like the one which you see in carnival and for that just go to a samba school right like a couple months before uh carnival they're you are gonna start all the all the drilling and all the all the classes and all the the parades etc that's just probably the uh, the best opportunity to find it and if you're in a big city that has a you know a famous carnival like rio the drilling for the carnival is basically the whole year right they they never yeah. take a break uh whereas if you're in florianopolis it's going to be like you know oh you have three months of the year where they actually care about that
6: yeah hey guys i'm gonna get out of here all right i got more to do i got another call i gotta get on uh but i appreciate everybody uh, i've seen most of y'all on twitter already so it's good to see a name with a face uh francisco muito mm-hmm. um, exactly. prazer everybody uh have a good night and i will talk to y'all later thanks steven you yeah, man all right, y'all.
0: All right. Okay. Cool, guys. I'm good. Another fifteen minutes till the till the hour. So let's keep uh, jamming a little bit. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm up. Has anyone actually participated in the carnival, like in uh, in like the floats or in the <laughs> parade, as a like it, like in it?
1: No, never. Just on the street parties.
0: Now you guys know your next challenge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the The thing about samba, like cl- closing the other topic, is what you're gonna find mostly is just these samba uh, like circles, right? When you go to a, a bar and there's a there's a group group playing samba, but it's so much rare for people to be doing actual samba dancing, like you know, in a small bar where uh, where everything's closed off and so on. It's uh, it's more on I don't know, like more open spaces or special occasions, or or even carnival, where you're gonna see the people doing the, like the classic dance that you see in know uh, all these carnival queens. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I
0: mean it's it's a whole different set of hobbies in Brazil compared to the rest of Latin America. Like maybe you know if you do salsa and Medellin or whatever, like I guess maybe you'll translate a little bit, but you're definitely you get, you're gonna have to learn something new if you want to dance in brazil i guess
3: right yeah Jitsu is another big one that a lot of a lot of the gringos come visit for uh, i know stakes mentioned it too mm. i train in sao paulo at one of the the bigger gyms one of the more famous gyms and there's always at least a couple gringos in their training it's a bucket list type place so mm.
7: that's
3: another hobby if, if people are interested in train all over i mean it's
0: is that a gracie one or it's
3: uh Alliance, it's alliance in sao paulo so it's a big Big one one too yeah yeah it's a good school and like uh they're pretty set up very professional so like they get the gringos in and out never heard anyone complain
1: yeah another point like you mentioned about the about the salsa it's a it's a big cultural shock that brazilians are quite closed off when it comes to music styles it's a very, it's, it's a known world, right? You're not uh, sharing like, oh, you have cumbia in a lot of uh, Hispanic speaking countries. You have a, you know, like a mm-hmm. reggaeton, you, you, it's being heard all over. But in Brazil, no, there's not Brazil, really that much came, of a reggaeton uh, penetration. It's, uh, Bossa
5: Nova. it's so mostly 70s, just,
1: you're, you're listening Populana, to samba, you're listening uh, to forro Sertanejo,
5: and you're listening yeah, to yeah. funk. It's like, I went there one and I was three. like, I was like, do you know who Marcos Valle is? He's my favorite artist. I love him. I don't know if you guys experience uh, something different like in uh, Indian interior, for like, example, in Brazil. Is like classic, like what, is, what is it that people uh, actually Brazilian listen to mostly? the penetrated the world. And, no, and so they were so focused on MC Kevinho and all these people that are just like came out this past year that make music that's like, yeah, the worst music. And then they overlook like uh, Brazilian music that is known the world over. And yeah, they, they really don't um, cross borders with their music. Like Bad Bunny? <laughs> I don't think he's ever done a tour in, in Brazil or where has he? Maybe Rio, like rock in Rio. <laughs> I
3: don't know. It, in São Paulo, like, most of the Brazilians I know like all kinds of international music, like like the rock bands, like AC/DC, Metallica. All those '80s, '90s rock bands got really popular too. Like, mm. I don't know, I, I I never would have thought. I, I, I don't know. Brazilians I've met, I've never would have said that they only like certain types of Brazilian music. Like,
1: no, I wouldn't say it's only Brazilian music, but the the amount of it, like, especially when you were talking about Latin America, right? It shares very little. With, with the rest of Latin America in terms of music styles. But yeah, there's there's rock and there's like rap and there's like, I don't know, Taylor Swift for the girls. Oh, yeah, I think part
3: of the reason <laughs> Brazilians <laughs> like Farners so much too I is like they connect with like, like, Yeah, I just like go through the national culture. Just finding like, like 70s and 80s do, right? Brazilian music. The US series do well new.
5: in Brazil. But um, yeah, they like mm-hmm. ACDC and all that too. stuff. But here's the... Stakes, here's you know, I was
0: definitely rocking your playlist for a while uh like to call uh, bad bunny village by the sea vibes bad bunny plays like it has got world. like some boss I, I, I don't i haven't i don't know i listen there. to
5: the radio in brazil but is he <laughs> well known in brazil is he like as popular because he's everywhere right and he's like the latin american king so i think it's more current music that they kind of uh refrain from but you can even see that so in my playlist You guys might like it. It's uh, Bossa Nova and new stuff. The Afro Jazz, Afro Latin, is just heavily influenced by Brazilian music. It's just like a new wave Bossa Nova. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll repost it. Hmm.
6: Yeah.
0: is that Dude, on spotify it's vibes it's vibes yeah it's a spotify playlist well yeah dm it to me too and i'll uh, put it in the show notes
1: i recommend checking the the lo-fi remixes of of this kind of brazilian music there's been a, a good movement in um, Gabriel M0, Saib, etc cetera, where they, these guys make lo-fi versions of Brazilian bossa nova and it vibes.
0: Speaking of vibes, uh, moving on from music, we got like maybe 10 minutes left. You know, let's just talk a bit about like what keeps you guys keeps you Brazil. In, it in Brazil, or in Jersey's case, what keeps you coming back to Brazil. It must be something about that, all that stuff. Brazilian so me, um, vibe, the culture, how you feel while kinda you're here. I kind of just got locked in. You know, I spent a lot of time um, there. In my in let's my 20s speak a, a little bit about that because it's, it's, it's something that's very Brazil hard to capture. But maybe you guys can can take a stab at it.
5: So I enjoyed it there, but it was one fourth the price of everything. The beaches don't compare to anything else. And I did enjoy this novelty, even though I look Brazilian, right? You guys who are on this call can see I look like a Braz- I'm even darker than like most Brazilians. Right. But. Um... <laughs> do we? <laughs> we- hey, Fran's my brother, dude. I like that. We do. We have the same face shape. Uh, but yeah, like. I, I had the novelty of being a foreigner, but not looking as a foreigner. And You um, look like a Brazilian soccer you know, player. I'm a sovereign citizen. I'm not tied to any specific place. So, you're, you're you know, just because I spent a lot of time there like and the I kind of got stuck same. there. It's a that I have a lot of connection to. I know the language and how things work. And, yeah. You know, They have amazing yeah. cities and they have like really uh, quaint so. interior yeah. cities that offer a lot of land and opportunity mm-hmm. if you wanted to do something uh, to that regard that's very affordable. So long term, it's definitely a a place that's high on my list.
4: Yeah, I mean, I approach it from a very like utilitarian sort of mindset where, like, I just look at, you know, I've been here for about twelve months now consecutively, and I just look at like basically every area of my life is just like much better, <laughs> from like my housing, you know, to like you know the amount of money I'm spending to like the quality of food that I'm eating. Like, I'm in the best shape physically that I've been in in probably twenty years, just because I'm you know just just the gym culture and just being active and uh, you know it, it's it's. I just feel like I'm, I'm like much just better positioned here for success and just living like a, a, like a quality life basically. And, and I have my, like my, my family ties here as well. So it's, it's, there's, it's nice to have that. And like my son, I have him been a school here. So he's finally like learning Portuguese properly. Um, you know, so it's a good experience for him to be able to like have that, you know, dual citizenship and like really kind of, you know, learn the, like the Brazilian side of his, of his, of his uh of his you know kind of his heritage whenever and like learn the language and be able to connect with people here and stuff so that's been a really valuable experience i mean that's something i mean i grew up in like rural minnesota like i mean i didn't even like get on a plane until i was you know like 15 or something like <laughs> like if i was like minneapolis that was like the big trip you know like oh my gosh I'm going to the big city you know so like just having the ability to like give my like my son to grow up and experience new culture like this is pretty invaluable i think you can't really put a price on that
2: So I would say for me, um, I really, really like the culture, um, the people, it just has this feel that I don't get anywhere else in the world. I, I've spent time in most Latin American countries, and there's just something about the Brazilian culture that speaks to me. Um, I love the food here. Um, uh, I think also the country is just so diverse and has so much to offer. So, you know, between switching between these smaller, uh, interior cities, the beautiful beaches, Sao Paulo, which is really a unique city. I think, I mean, on one hand it's a concrete jungle, but it just has this energy, this excitement that, uh, really no other city anywhere is exactly like Sao Paulo. And then for me, you have Rio, which is just sort of like this perfect combination of everything. It's this international city, it has world class beaches and just unparalleled natural beauty. So uh, I I tend to gravitate towards Rio here just because for me, that city's the perfect combination.
3: Yeah, I I take it pretty pragmatically, I guess. Like I travel a lot and I stay like a month or two, like longer term, wherever I go. And I always think, oh, would I live here? And wherever I go, I always look back at Brazil and I go, that seems like a better option. You know, like, like I have a really high quality life in Brazil. Like the culture's really engaging. Uh, There's opportunities. Like it's a huge economy. It's diverse. Like there's still things to learn. So even after a decade, uh, I still get excited to go back and, and yeah, I think it's a place worth building. It's a, it's a, pretty solid long-term bet i think so yeah
1: yeah i personally i'm not currently living in brazil but i always spend at least like four or five months of the year uh back home and you know like when when i first emigrated i had this i think a lot of the latin americans that leave have this thing like oh i never want to come back it's uh you know, look at how everything is is safe in Europe and the public transportation, whatever. But the, the more I stay away, the, the more like yeah, there's just just so many things about the Brazilian lifestyle that you don't find anywhere else in the world, right? Like the the language. I think language does affect how how you think on your on your day to day, how you interact with people. I think maybe that's part of why the uh, the culture is the way it is. I love the culture. I love the music. I love bossa nova as well. I love uh, samba. I love even, you know, the food, some of the fruits you have in Brazil, you don't find anywhere else. Like Pitanga, for example, is one of my top three fruits. I and to when I'm in Florida, i just is, walking around and, and grabbing Pitanga from the trees that like you find in the street it. everywhere. And, you know, if you're trying to sure. find it somewhere in, so, in Europe or even elsewhere in Latin America, you just yeah, won't. Out so there's That's like on the this combination of all these little things that when you put it put it together, just make Brazil something unique. And I want to be there, you know, like at least half of the year you guys all been
4: to the. <laughs> you have missed
1: out. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you guys ever silly. been to the, to the, the Mercado in Sao Paulo, like that, that municipal market where like mm-hmm. those, those like fruit guys are like trying to like, they're kind of like to try to like scam you basically. Like they try to like, hustle you you know they, they see you're a gringo and they're out they're giving you all these free food samples yeah, yeah i've been there and then and then they, they're like oh you want to buy this pineapple it'll be 800 yeah. <laughs> like hey eyes
3: buy- i go to the same street fair to get my groceries in sao paulo for years and there's like a steak guy coffee vegetable guys the fruit guys are the hustlers like those are the guys got to watch out for those guys will take like pieces of sweet stuff and they'll give it to like two-year-old kids when they walk past their parents like give them a little sugar and then the dad has to stop and yeah, they're hustlers, man. You got to watch out for the fruit
4: guys. Yeah, And they put all this like fake sugar on the fruits too, before they give it to you <laughs> to make it seem like it's like some sort of super exotic thing. Right. And it's But now when I, whenever I, I see those guys now, I just go up, I just ask them directly. I'm like, so I've heard about these, like gulpitas frutas, like how do these things, like the fruit scams, like how, tell me how do these things work? And the guys are like, Oh, I, I, like we don't, we don't do that here. It's only those other guys that do it. <laughs> but it's they tell you some, some of these guys will tell you the tricks of the trade of how they scam tourists, so it's always kind of fun. But anyway, you know, how, my uh, first the final experience note there of the podcast
0: is uh fruit scams. But yeah, final, final <laughs> note <laughs> the giant mortadella <laughs> sandwich
3: if you go to Sao Paulo, it's one of the uh, yeah. like that place gets when he's talking about the big market, it's a huge tourist spot. Like the last yeah. time I went just to like go, just because I've been a bunch of times, you could barely even walk in it, it was so like so crowded. Like it's a huge tourist spot, and they do these giant mortadella sandwiches that are like. 20 centimeters yeah, it's
7: tall. It's
0: pretty mm-hmm, yeah. good. I did that once. Yeah, it's a good sandwich. Epic. Well, yeah. guys, really, really cool. I, you know, I wish we go a little longer. I actually have a call right now in like 30 seconds. Um, but this was a really cool podcast that we did, Brazil roundtable. I uh, just want to thank everyone again, Patrick Flood, Aaron from Brazil Crypto Report, uh, Francisco Litvai, The Way of Jurors, Stakes is High. Uh, Steven's story. So really, really happy that we were able to put this together. And I think it came out great. And I wish everyone muita sorte on uh, your Brazil adventures. All right, guys. Be good.
7: galera. Well, well,
4: appreciate it. Até mais.
7: Até mais. Tchau, tchau.